Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Saying you can't choose is giving up for good, and don't do that. Choose change. Your routine, your job, your city, your habits, your mindset. Never sit and fester in frustration. It does not matter whether or not you are in the absolute worst case scenario. Complaining, worrying, or being negative will never help anything at all, ever. Everything you do, everything you see, everything you feel is a reflection of not who you are, but how you are. You create what you believe. You see what you want. You'll have what you give. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for, but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hi, besties, and welcome to a brand new Almost Adulting, the largest self-love podcast and movement, your number one destination for personal growth and mental health. I'm your big sister and your host, Violetta. So I want to welcome you to the first episode of the year 2024. Happy New Year, everyone. And today, on today's first episode of the year, I want to start it off with a bang. So... I'm welcoming you guys to Benson Book Club. Since I am writing a book this year that will come out hopefully the end of this year, and I have to read loads of books, and I have to do loads of research for my writing, I have decided to bring you on my journey with me. So every week on Tuesday, I'll be welcoming you to my Benson Book Club, reading to you various chapters from books that I love, that will give you amazing life lessons. And every month, based on the topic, I will choose those specific books to share with you, okay? So today, since we are starting the new year and this month is all about manifesting the life that you want, how to have the best year, whether it's your goals, who you are as a person, the people you surround yourself with, making more money and so on. Today, I'll be sharing short essays on how to change your life this year, how to actually change your life this year. So let's get started. People want to change their lives. They want to change their relationships, their bodies, their income, their brokerage accounts, their status, their homes. It is so easy to identify what's wrong on the outside and blame it for the feelings on the inside. Never is this so painfully clear is when the calendar resets and we think we are offered a fresh slate and a blank page. It's easy to think a different year is a different life away, but we carry ourselves and our baggage and our energies and our hangups and our insecurities and hopes and mindsets into this glimmering, hopeful, fresh start, blank page, new life. Our quote unquote resolutions don't stick because you can't change the outside and expect a different inside. 
People want to change their lives. They want to change other people's lives too. They want to change the injustices that they see. They want to change the whole damn world. But they do not want to change themselves. Not their image, not their appearance, not their worldly success, themselves. Which is, as it turns out, the only thing that you can actually change. The one thing that must change first. We walk around with this crippling false idea that we must adjust how things are as opposed to adjusting how we are and how we see them. This world might as well be a damn hall of mirrors. Rather than trying to break them all to distort and rearrange how you see the image, you have to let go of the idea that your image is all that exists. The things that torture us and the negative patterns that follow us and the reason we have to keep making the same resolution year after year after year is that we are not making the shift. We are trying to shift other things. And the most hilariously, wonderfully, sadly unknown part of this is that when you do so, you end up with what you set out to achieve in the first place. The love and contentment and success, only this time your worth doesn't depend on it. You aren't a failure if you lose it one day. This all stems from self. So here's what you need to know. Whenever there is a problem in your life, there is a problem with how you are thinking, how you are reacting, how you are responding. Whatever you feel you're not receiving is a direct reflection of what you are not giving. Whatever you are angered by is what you are not willing to see in yourself. So where you feel you're lacking, you must give. Where there is tension, you must unpack. And if you want more recognition, then recognize others. If you want love, then be more loving. Give exactly what you want to get back. If you want to let go of something, build something new. If you, if you don't understand, then ask. If you don't like something, then say so. If you want to change, then start small. If you want something, ask for it. If you love someone, then tell them. If you want to attract something, become it. If you enjoy something, let yourself feel it. If you do anything compulsively, ask yourself why. Stop trying to curb your spending or change your diet or avoid that one person or lash out at innocent people that you love. Look for the cause of that feeling, not just the feeling itself, and then you will fix the problem for good. If you miss somebody, why not call them? It is so silly to suffer in silence. It is noble and humbling to tell somebody that they matter to you, regardless of whether or not you matter to them. If your life is missing something, you cannot place back into it. Restructure. You will get nowhere dismantling the pieces with nothing to take their place. You will end up reassembling the parts of the old life you are trying to get away from. Step away and build anew anything new. You cannot expect to carry on with the same life you had without someone and not have the gapping hole torture you. Give yourself permission to build something beautiful, something true. If you want to be understood, then explain. There's nothing we need more than people who are willing to kindly, gently, wholly, patiently explain to others. So if you want to be happy, choose it. Choose to be consciously, consistently grateful for something. Choose to immerse yourself in something beautiful and peaceful and joyous. 
If you can't choose this, then choose to start working and figuring out what blocks you, be a health or circumstance or mindset. Get help, ask for it. Saying you can't choose is giving up for good and don't do that. Choose change. Your routine, your job, your city, your habits, your mindset. Never sit and fester in frustration. It does not matter whether or not you are in the absolute worst case scenario. Complaining, worrying, or being negative will never help anything at all, ever. Everything you do, everything you see, everything you feel is a reflection of not who you are, but how you are. You create what you believe. You see what you want. You'll have what you give. So then what are some subconscious behaviors that are keeping you from having the life that you want? Well, here are eight of the most pervasive behaviors that we have. Number one, it's because you believe that creating your best life is a matter of deciding what you want and then going after it. But in reality, you are psychologically incapable of being able to predict what will actually make you happy because your brain can only perceive what it's known. So when you choose what you want for the future, you're actually just recreating a solution or an idea of the past. When things don't work out the way you want them to, you think that you failed only because you didn't recreate something you perceived as desirable, when in reality, you likely created something better, before, and your brain misinterpreted this as quote-unquote bad because of that. The moral of the story here is that living in the moment isn't a lofty ideal reserved for the Zen and enlightened. It's the only way to live a life that isn't infiltrated with illusions is the only thing that your brain can actually comprehend. Number two, you extrapolate the present moment because you believe that success is somewhere you arrive. So you are constantly trying to take a snapshot of your life and see if you can be happy yet. You convince yourself that any given moment is representative of your current life as a whole because we are wired to believe that success is somewhere we get to. When goals are accomplished and things are completed, we are constantly measuring our present moments by how finished they are, how good the story sounds, how someone else would judge the elevator speech. We find ourselves thinking, is this all there is? Because we forget that everything is transitionary and no single instance can summarize the whole. There is nowhere that you actually need to arrive to. The only thing you're rushing towards to is death. <laughs> Accomplishing goals is not success. How much you expand in the process is. Number three, you assume that when it comes to following your gut instinct, happiness is good and fear and pain are bad. So when you consider doing something you truly love and are invested in, you're going to feel obvious influx of fear and pain, mostly because it will involve being vulnerable. Bad feelings should not always be interpreted as something to fear. There are also indicators that you are doing something frightening and worthwhile. Not wanting to do something will make you feel indifferent about it, actually. So fear means interest. Number four, you needlessly create problems and crisis in your life because you are afraid of actually living it. 
The pattern of unnecessarily creating crisis in your life is actually an avoidance technique. It distracts you from actually having to be vulnerable or be held accountable for whatever it is that you're afraid of. You're never upset for the reason you think you are. At the core of your desire to create a problem is simply the fear of being who you are and living the life you want. What I mean by this is that sometimes we create these problems in our lives pretending that that's what it is because we're actually afraid of the bigger thing that's beyond it. For example, one time somebody reached out to me and let me know that they had the biggest crush on somebody, but they were too afraid to approach this man and let him know that because she had an issue with overly blushing. And she thought that because of the way she blushes so profusely, he will then reject her. So then she decided not to bother. And she never realized that she created this whole problem in her mind that because of her blushing, she will be rejected. When in reality, she was actually just too scared to approach this guy and let him know her feelings because then what if he actually rejects her? Because then what if the blushing wasn't the issue and it was just who she is as a person and that's why she gets rejected? Then who she believes she is completely dissolves and then she, you know, she will hate her life even more. So this whole time she was just attaching her blushing issues as to why she was being rejected, which is why she was always deciding to never try harder. She always just assumed she'll get rejected, so then why even bother? She didn't know that her blushing issues were never actually the real cause of her holding herself back in life. The real cause of herself holding herself back in life was her fear of failure, her fear of rejection, her fear of actually trying. So I would say that would kind of be an example of what number four means. Okay, number five. You think that to change your beliefs, you have to adapt a new line of thinking rather than seek experiences that make that thinking self-evident. A belief is what you know to be true because experience has made it evident to you. So if you want to change your life, you have to change your beliefs. If you want to change your beliefs, you have to go out and actually experience these new experiences to make them real to you, not the opposite way around. Number six, you think problems are roadblocks to achieving what you want when in reality, there are pathways. Marcus Aurelius sums this up really well. He said that the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. Simply running into a problem forces you to take action to resolve it. That action will inevitably lead you to think differently, behave differently, and to choose differently. The problem becomes a catalyst for you to actualize the life you always wanted. It pushes you from your comfort zone to where you're meant to be. That's all. Number seven, you think your past defines you, and worse, you think that it is some unchangeable reality, when in reality, when really, your perception of it changes as you do. Because experience is always multidimensional. There are a variety of memories, experiences, feelings you can just choose to recall. And what you choose is indicative of your present state of mind. So many people get caught up in allowing the past to define them or haunt them simply because they have not evolved to the place of seeing how the past did not actually prevent them from achieving the life that they want. The past actually facilitated your present. 
This doesn't mean to disregard or gloss over painful or traumatic events, but simply it means to be able to recall them with acceptance and to be able to place them in the storyline of your personal evolution. Number eight, you try to change other people, situations, and things, or maybe you just complain a lot and get upset about them. When anger equals your self-recognition, most negative emotional reactions are you identifying a disassociated aspect of yourself. So your quote-unquote shadow selves are the parts of you that are some point you were conditioned to believe that are not okay. So you suppress them and you have done everything in your power not to acknowledge them. You don't actually dislike these parts of yourself. So when you see somebody else displaying one of these traits, it angers you, it's infuriating, but not because you inherently dislike it, but because you have to fight your desire to fully integrate it into your whole consciousness. The things you love about others are the things you actually love about yourself. Therefore, the things that you hate about others are the things you cannot see or stand in yourself. So pay attention to that. So to close this, what are some things that you need to know about yourself before you will have the life that you want? As C.G. Jung once said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. When it comes to building the lives that we want to lead, we are taught to start constructing from how we imagine we want things to look. Titles rather than roles, images rather than realities, concepts rather than day in and day out tasks and duties and practices. It's time to dismantle the ego-frenzied Western obsession with a big life and break down what it takes to actually exist in a way that we desire. Here are all the things that you must know about yourself so you can choose the life that you actually want, not the one that you think you do. What do you want your daily tasks to be? We are instructed to choose a life we want based on what we think we want to be, but we're only capable of determining that insofar that we're able to think of what it would mean to have the title of a role. We rarely consider the nitty gritty daily practice that is required for a peaceful, meaningful existence. Instead of, I want to help people each day, start asking yourself if the way you really want to do that is by caring for people physically, doing the tasks that actually requires. It all sounds flowery and noble when you think of what you want your life to be about, but you must consider the reality. When you go in choosing what you want each day of your life to consist of how much paperwork, how much time at the computer, how many hours of leisure you are able to actually build the existence that you want from the ground up. What kind of person do you want to be as opposed to the title that you want to have? It is not about choosing what kind of adjacent you'd like as a preface to your job title, but what kind of person you actually want to be doing it. It ultimately doesn't matter whether you are a teacher, student, an editor, a construction worker. It matters what kind of person you want to be while you do those jobs. Are you someone who is kind and understanding? Are you someone who spends the better portion of their day conversing with loved ones? Someone who is busy from daybreak to day's end? Someone who is distracted, attentive, hardworking? You ultimately are defined not by what you do, but how you do it. What do you want to be remembered for? 
What do you want them to say at your funeral? That you wore small pants size and had a successful job that prevented you from actually developing relationships? Or that you were loving and kind and cared about your work, but cared about people more? There is nothing more sobering, nor scary, nor a faster way to cut out the negative bullshit than to remember that you do not have forever. What defines your life when it's all said and done is how much you influence other people's lives. Oftentimes just through your daily interactions and the courage with which you live your own. That's what people remember. That's what you will be known for when you're no longer around to define yourself. What comes most effortlessly to you? We tend to believe and induce a kind of difficulty with tasks we determine to be meaningful, profound, or important. If the things we love, and especially get paid for, are also effortless, it seems as though they are unmerited. We believe we have to suffer for the things we have and love, when we in fact do not. It's just as worthwhile, if not maybe more so, to figure out what you effortlessly naturally do and learn to capitalize on it while not feigning effortlessness but just allowing it in your fantasy daydreams who and what are you and how do other people regard you the reoccurring thematics of your daily daydreaming represents what you're actually seeking from others in various areas of your life this is your subconsciously motivated factor because it's the best thing you have to give yourself Whatever it is, it's a projection of the thing that you most feel you lack and therefore subconsciously seek from others. Is it that people admire you for your beauty? Is it your creativity, your talent, your success, your money? Figure out what you crave and figure out how to feed that need yourself. What do you dislike most about other people? What you most dislike in others in some variation true of you. You just haven't been able to acknowledge it yet. The more angrily and fiercely you respond no to that idea, the more intensely you're trying to avoid it because anger is recognition. You don't lash back at things that you don't in some way regard as being real. So figure out what you most need to heal within yourself by seeing what you most want to change in others. Doing so will free you in a way that you can't imagine. Doing so is a necessary piece of the life that you want puzzle because all of the energy you're currently trying to use to avoid, deflect, dilute your way into not acknowledging what you need to heal, change, deal is being wasted at best and is actually actively keeping you from the life that you want at worst. What is worth suffering for? Everything is hard in some way. It's hard to be in the wrong relationship It's hard to be in the right one. It's hard to be broken, miserable. It's hard to achieve your dreams. It's hard to be stuck in the middle, not really feeling anything at all. Everything is hard, but you choose your hard. You choose what's worth it. You don't choose whether or not you'll suffer, but you do choose what you want to suffer for. What owns you in this life? Is it the desire for happiness, the past? The relationship that almost was, but ultimately wasn't? Your body hang-up? Your fear? Your loneliness? Your lack of self-worth? Everybody has one thing that ultimately owns them, drives them, controls them at some visceral level. Is the pattern that everything else is rooted in. Is the issue that crops up again and again. It's what you seek, then run away from, 
only to find yourself running right into it again. What owns you in this life is what makes up the majority of what you do. So you need to know what it is. It's usually not about freeing yourself from these ties that bind you, but learning to wield them for a greater purpose. Finding that shared of empathy and hope and understanding tucked deeply within your existential suffering. That is a purpose to all things. Your job is not to understand why, but just to find it in the first place. So now to end this episode, I'm going to give you a manifesting mantra to the life that you want to have, okay? So either mark down this timestamp or just click record so you can always have this on repeat whenever you are trying to manifest the life that you want and the life that you deserve. This is the angel number 999. This is the end of the old. I am beginning a new journey. Doors of opportunity are opening for me. I know that I'm capable of anything I fully align myself with. It is all going to happen for me. I can feel it with my mind, my body, and my spirit. Everything I want is already mine. I am extremely excited to be living the life of my dreams. All right, besties, that is all for today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please be lovely and leave me a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. It really helps my podcast and helps me stay afloat. So thank you so much. And also before I go, if you want a third episode every single week, then guess what? We now have a third episode on Sundays through the podcast subscription app, which will be in the description starting this week. So for anyone who's an OG listener, you can now have a third episode on Sundays. Love you besties. Bye.